Whoever you are, wherever you come from, whomever you love, indeed, we welcome you to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Kent. May you leave your daily burdens at the door, open your minds and hearts, and be fully present for this time of fellowship and spiritual re-energizing. I'm Reverend Christy Anderson, an ordained interfaith minister and a UU commissioned lay minister. I am pleased to introduce today's worship leader and special guest, our ministerial candidate, Reverend Stephen Protzman. We are joined by our music director, Hal Walker, and many of this church's talented musicians who devote considerable time to preparing beautiful music for us. And although there's probably no need for this last reminder, all members are invited to attend our annual meeting, which will be held today at 1245. We will be electing some new church leaders and approving our budget. And of course, last but not least, we will be determining the calling of Reverend Stephen as our settled minister. You are urged to attend as it's been 13 years since we've experienced such an historic day. We light our chalice today to honor the memory of our past, lessons learned and legacies seeded. We light our chalice today in honor and in anticipation of our future, our hopes and dreams of actions we will take and values we will support together. And we light our chalice today as we stand on the very threshold between the two, between the past and the future, standing here on the threshold of possibility. We pause in joy and in celebration and we are both grateful for and inspired by the here and now, by our very presence together in this most sacred moment. In place of our traditional call to worship, I'm going to engage in a bit of time travel. We're going to review the history of the UU Church of Kent, which is somewhat like reading an epic story as it includes acts of heroism, sweeping grandeur, and a setting of vast scope. Well, that might be a bit of an exaggeration, but consider these facts. From its founding in 1866 through the next 30 years, this church was home to many prominent community members. In fact, there were so many parishioners, they filled this space the Founders Lounge out here, and the balcony, which now houses our classrooms. But the theology of America changed, and for multiple reasons. By the 1920s, membership and resources had dwindled to such an extent that there were plans to sell the church building. Like all epic stories, there were successes and periods of hardship. In the 1950s, in order to save money, part of the church was converted into living quarters for the minister and his wife. 
Yet due to the sometimes heroic efforts of known and unknown saviors acting intermittently throughout the 20th century, this congregation persevered. Recognizing the potential here, in the early 1990s, the UUA stepped in and for a while subsidized the salary of a minister trained in church growth, Reverend Julianne Silberman Bunn. Under the combined 23-year tenures of Reverend Julianne and Reverend Melissa Carvel-Zemer, stability and growth were nurtured and this congregation finally reached the size of its historical peak membership. Ours is a proud history. Church members founded what is now the University of Akron. The church was far ahead of its times by hiring its first female minister in 1889. This church served as the center for community protest during the Vietnam War. And church members were among the founders of the Kent Natural Food Co-op and the Kent Environmental Council. We are standing on the shoulders of lay people and ministers who made sacrifices and strove mightily on behalf of the mission of this church. This includes the love and leadership of at least 35 ministers who have served here. Who we are today has been impacted by those before us. So let us take a moment to recognize our past, which is indeed worthy of honor. I invite all of you to join me in saying aloud a statement affirming our past. Please repeat after me each phrase. It is with love and gratitude, it is with love and gratitude. that we honor those whose care and sacrifice shaped who we are today. In their name, we continue the noble journey. Today we are on the threshold of a new chapter of our ministry, a chapter which, like those before, will shape the future of those who come after us. As we co-create the next chapter of our story, may we rejoice in hidden possibilities. May we, as congregation members, join together with the chosen professional minister to fulfill our mission to inspire love, seek justice, and to grow in community. Come, let us explore and embrace the intrigue and richness of possibility. The poet May Sarton invites us to return to the most human, for nothing less will teach the angry spirit, the bewildered heart, the torn mind, to accept the whole of its duress and pierced with anguish at last act for love. In the midst of life with its twists and turns, the challenges and struggles we face, the hopes and dreams we all have, it's important to take time to turn inward, to return to the most human, to nurture our spirits with silence and the care of this gathered community, 
to call to mind the joys and sorrows that come with living, and to reflect on the mystery that is life itself. Would you join me now in the spirit of prayer? Spirit of life and of love, you in which we share and find strength and common purpose, we turn our minds and hearts toward one another as we hold in the circle of care and concern all who need our love and support, those we've named in this time of remembrance, those who are in our hearts and thoughts, those who are sick, in pain, either in body or in spirit, those who struggle with addiction, those who are lonely, those who are grieving, the immigrant children being separated from their parents. We pray for them. On this Memorial Day weekend, we remember and give thanks for our veterans, all the brave men and women who have served in our armed forces in order to preserve and protect the freedoms we enjoy every day. We honor with love and with tears those who gave their lives that we might live in peace and safety. And we pray for all those who now serve that they come home safely and be reunited in joy with their loved ones. We pray for ourselves too, that we would be grateful for the many blessings we receive each and every day, and use them with joy, generosity, and kindness. We ask help to live fully this life we have been given, to treat each and every moment as a rare and precious gift, to worship what is of true worth, to practice radical hospitality, welcoming the stranger, to speak the truth as we know it, and to join in the struggle for justice and peace in our world. And finally, we pray that we will feel the heartbeat of life itself and find wonder and awe in both the struggle and the beauty of life, that we will remember we are connected in mystery and miracle to one another and all of creation, that we dedicate our lives to the care of this fragile planet and work for the well-being of every creature as we affirm life and walk on this earth with gentleness and reverence. In this spirit, we pray, may it be so. And amen.
These words were written by Reverend Bill Sinkford for the First Unitarian Church of Portland, Oregon, on the occasion of its 150th anniversary celebration in June of 2016. He could have been writing to us. The past is ours to hold. The future is ours to share. The past is ours to hold, but not to be bound by. The founders of this church were made strong and confident by their faith, and they accomplished so much. We can even hold the past and their accomplishments with pride, but we cannot allow the past to be a limit for our vision. We speak of nurturing the individual spirit, of finding our moral compass and building the beloved community. Our founders spoke of the coming of the kingdom. The language is different. Our theology and our identity have evolved in response to changing circumstances and new awareness. But at the heart of this church is a hope that is unchanged. It is a hope for fulfillment for each of us and a commitment to the creation of a world which is more hospitable to the human spirit. That hope abides. And beyond that hope, there is a belief that abides as well. That in a world where both love and hate exist, there will always be a role for the religious voice and religious witness to proclaim the power and possibility that we still can share if we allow love to grow in our hearts and help it grow in our world. It is not so much that we believe that the beloved community will come to be. Just as I can point to signs of hope, I can also point to a great deal of evidence to the contrary. I'm not even sure that it has any meaning to say that we believe in the power of love, but it means so much to know that we are committed to live as if love were real and by our living make it so. Like our religious ancestors in this church, our vision will be limited by who we are and where we stand. The hope exists not in our finding perfection, not in our completing the journey, but in our commitment to take the next step the one we can see, the one that is calling us as we turn toward our future. As Reverend Rebecca Parker writes, in the midst of a world marked by tragedy and beauty, there must be those who bear witness against unnecessary destruction. There must be communities of people who seek to do justice, love kindness and walk humbly who call on the strength of soul force to heal, transform, and bless life. Our second reading is an excerpt from a poem by Mary Oliver. The witchery of living is my whole conversation with you, my darlings. All I can tell you is what I know. Look and look again. This world is not just a little thrill for the eyes. It's more than bones. It's more than the delicate wrist with its personal pulse. 
It's more than the beating of a single heart. It's praising. It's giving until the giving feels like receiving. You have a life. Just imagine that. You have this day, and maybe another, and maybe still another. We do one thing or another. We stay the same or we change. Congratulations if you've changed. Let me ask you this. Do you also think that beauty exists for some fabulous reason? And if you have not been enchanted by this adventure, your life, what would do for you? And I have become the child of the clouds and of hope. And I have become the friend of the enemy, whoever that is. I have become older and cherishing what I have learned, I have become younger. And what do I risk to tell you this, which is all I know? Love yourself, then forget it, then love the world. I am pleased to report that I am still standing. <laughs> all, I <can> say <laughs> all I can say is, wow, what a marathon, I mean a week together. <laughs> I could easily spend this entire sermon sharing highlights of our time together, your warmth and playfulness, the gracious hospitality and welcome you offered me, the many delicious meals we've shared, the exchange of ideas, experiences, and dreams for our future together, the laughter and fun, the singing together, my first, however brief, turkey baster concert, <laughs> and of course, the pie, and today in the spirits of, uh, spirit of all desserts having inherent worth and dignity, there was cake. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. It has been a wonderful week and such a privilege and a pleasure to be here with you. I think it's important at this historic moment that we honor, thank, and recognize our search committee. They've worked so hard the last year. You have been totally awesome. Thank you. So we've just spent eight days together, and perhaps the question to ask is why? Why in this country where organized religion is in such a huge decline does this week of getting to know each other matter so much? I'll tell you a story. I was in downtown Iowa City recently, and there was a street preacher on a corner. When I walked up, he was saying, God's going to fix everything that's wrong with the world. So I asked, when exactly is this going to happen? It sure is taking her a long time to get it done. He went on, God has a divine plan and everything will happen in time according to that divine plan. And I said, no, it won't. As he glared at me, I asked him, has it occurred to you that God, if there even is a God, gave us everything we need, reason, energy, intelligence, imagination, compassion, to create the world we hope for, and it's up to us? In fact, we are commanded to care for one another, to show mercy, to create justice. That's from the Older Testament book of Micah. He had a Bible in his hand, so I pointed it and asked, don't you ever read that? <laughs> there were a few moments of awkward silence before he pointed at me and said, I know who you are. You, you're, you're one of those militant gay Unitarian atheists. 
moi was flattered. <laughs> Actually, I said I'm a Unitarian Universalist. And when it comes to the love that calls us to be the hands and hearts of God in this world and to create heaven here on earth, emphasis on the Universalist. I've been thinking about that conversation. I don't agree with his theology, but I can imagine us sitting down sometime over coffee and having a conversation that would reveal something surprising. We share a common hope for the world, a hope for individual fulfillment and a world that as Reverend Bill Sinkford said in the first reading, is hospitable to the human spirit. A hope that inspired 19 men and women to found this congregation in 1866. A hope that calls us to continue to offer a spiritual home where people find fulfillment. And in finding that fulfillment, here love's call to create a world where others find fulfillment. A hope that has brought us together this week for coffee, meetings, meals, conversations, during which you've shared your challenges and struggles, as well as your ideas and dreams for this next chapter of your history. I've spent a lot of time listening, and I want to share with you what I've heard. Along with lots of enthusiasm, your love for one another, a deep dedication to your mission, and a yearning for a minister to partner with you, two themes stand out. First, you want to be more visible in the community. We've shared lots of ideas about how to do that offering our new building to the community for a variety of events, including the farmer's market and social agencies that serve those in need. One of our youth suggested a poetry slam night every month. Expanding our adult education programming and inviting the community to participate. Fulfilling your vision of restoring, enhancing, and expanding these sacred spaces so that we are better equipped to carry on our historic legacy and embrace our potential for connection, service, programming, and outreach. Partnership with communities of color in which we ask what they need, and we use our privilege, our power, our resources, and our love to help meet those needs. Thinking even bigger about social justice work that this congregation can do together. The second theme that stands out is a glowing coal I've seen that is the heart of you, and that's your faith in the future of this congregation, a faith that has sustained you for the last year and a half through some twists and turns and some painful moments. It was difficult when Melissa told you she was leaving to answer the UUA's call to serve our movement after she'd had 11 amazing years with you. Your love for her and her love for you are inspiring and a little intimidating at moments. After someone said to me, you've got big shoes to fill, I replied, yeah, about a size 50. But in one of those powerful moments we've had together, someone else said, there will be other feet in those shoes too. A reminder that this is a place that truly get what shared ministry means. Yes, you had conflict with the interim minister that led to the unexpected end of their ministry. But in the absence of a full-time ministerial presence, you've worked hard, trusting in one another and working to make sure this community continues to thrive, and it does. During our week together, you've witnessed to me of the power of Unitarian Universalism to save lives, to change your lives, and to change our world. And now, after naming that you've been more inwardly focused the last year, you've told me you are ready to open your doors once again out into the world. You know what we have to offer is desperately needed, because sadly, hell is alive and all too well. 
I don't need to tell you that this country is divided and filled with hatred as racism continues to destroy countless lives. Hunger, poverty, and greed prevent people from living fully and taking part in the abundance that is every person's birthright. People are more lonely and isolated than ever in this age where virtual reality robs us of intimacy and true connection with one another. There are people right here in this room grieving, struggling with illness, or facing other challenges who need to know that you're not alone. Deaths are happening around us in Portage County because of the opioid epidemic. GLBTQ people want to hear that we are loved just as we are and that we are not a curse but a blessing to the world. There are undocumented immigrants facing the risk of death because of a lack of just and compassionate immigration policies. And the earth, threatened by climate change, by pollution, and by abuse of its resources, desperately needs us to be environmental activists guided by our seventh principle, which affirms the interconnected web of existence of which we are each a part. In the midst of all this horror and inequality and suffering and oppression, our universalist heritage and life itself call us to be a community of people, as we heard in the first reading, who seek to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly, who call on the strength of soul force to heal, transform, and bless life. My colleague Scott Alexander says, universalism is a promise to theologically hang in there with the complexities and cruelties of the human enterprise. It is a promise not to give up, but to keep struggling in our broken world for the improvement and inclusion of all. I've seen in you a resilient congregation who has time and time again refused to give up or given to despair. Through the years, you've not allowed yourselves to be paralyzed by the enormity of the world's problems or false messages that say you're not good enough or you don't have any, enough money or volunteers or space. So now, on this day when we have an opportunity to shape the future of this congregation, I know that your spirit is yearning to be bold to be audacious, to speak and to share and to live out our UU message of love and hope with courage and with faith. I'm eager to join you in this holy, transforming and powerful work. The work of helping one another become more fully human, discovering who you are meant to be and living life as fully as possible. The work of being a congregation that takes meaningful risks, embraces change, celebrates its abundance, and joyfully loves the hell right out of the world. In the second reading, Mary Oliver said, love yourself, then forget it, and then love the world. This is what life calls us to do together, the faith we must live out, the dream we dare to dream. You will gather as a congregation in a few minutes for a congregational meeting, continuing the democratic process of the free church begun by our spiritual ancestors nearly 400 years ago. Please stay and participate in this important work. There is a budget to vote on, leaders to elect, and the decision to call me as your next settled minister. But this is much more than a vote about me or the budget or board members. This is an opportunity to honor the memory of those brave souls who, 152 years ago, gathered here on the bank of the Cuyahoga River to begin the powerful, transforming work of love that is the legacy we celebrate and continue today. Today is an invitation to say yes to life as it calls us on toward the good that is yet to be as we minister together in the years to come. 
And perhaps as our week comes to its end, you're sitting there wondering, does he still like us? Does he want to be our minister? <laughs> and why can't Ohio of all places? So, yes, yes, and there's only one reason to come here, truly. The opportunity to be Minister of Magic for Hogwarts is just too good to pass up. <laughs> I don't have all the answers to the challenges we face, but from our exploration this week, I know we can find those answers together and share in a long and life-giving ministry to one another, to the Kent community, and to the world. I am confident in our shared creativity and vision, our imagination and our faith, our energy and our abundance. What I want to do is to love you, to walk with you, and to work with you, and I am ready. Now, are you ready to say yes as life calls us forward toward a future that is ours to dream and create together? May it be so, and in the spirit of the love that embraces us, sustains us, and calls us on in hope and faith, together we can and will make it so. And they all joyfully said, Amen. Amen. Will the ushers please come forward? The offering is the opportunity to express our gratitude through our financial support for the many gifts of this beloved church community. Today, let us be mindful of the unique freedom that is inherent to our Unitarian Universalist denomination. Freedom to control our internal affairs, individual theological freedom, freedom when speaking from the pulpit, and the freedom that we celebrate today, the freedom to call a minister of our own choosing. In support of Unitarian Universalism and this church, we will now gratefully accept your gift. And now as life calls us on to be a community of people who seek to do justice, love kindness, people willing to call on the strength of soul force to heal, transform, and bless life, let us go out into the world in peace and in joy to inspire love, seek justice, and grow in community. Blessed be, may it be so, and amen. <laughs>